I'm feeling like everyone listening, and I think so many campers and RVers are doing this, need that backyard fire pit that they can cook over. So this all just becomes one lifestyle, right? Whether you're at the campground or you're on an RV trip or you're in your backyard, you can have this experience every week, if not, you know, multiple days every week, right? And that's why, that's what I love about these two books, right? Is that it's saying, look, you can do all these amazing things at the campground, but you can also do all these amazing things right in your backyard, right? Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. Authors of Where Should We Camp Next, a 50-state guide to amazing campgrounds and other unique outdoor accommodations. Almost 12 years ago, we bought a pop-up camper that changed our lives and introduced us to the joys of RV travel. Join us now as we talk about where to camp, what gear to bring, and the best food to cook. We will also keep you dialed in to the latest RV innovations from people in the know. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. You guys asked for more food content, more camp cooking content, and I have definitely been trying to deliver this spring and summer. And I am also personally just kind of obsessed with camp cooking right now. It is one of my absolute favorite hobbies. So today I'm incredibly excited to have on the show Linda Lee. She's the author of a bunch of really, really beautiful cookbooks, most recently the Backyard Fire Cookbook, and the New Camp Cookbook. And they just make a great pair for both cooking over an open fire in your own backyard or out on your RV and camping trips. Uh, Linda was an absolute delight. And on this episode, she's going to give you seven tips for Dutch oven cooking for beginners, for those of us just getting started with Dutch oven cooking. And she's going to give us an overview of four Dutch oven recipes from these two cookbooks. Now, these two cookbooks contain an awful lot more than just Dutch oven tips and Dutch oven recipes, but I kind of zoomed in on that as a topic of interest for our audience. So this is going to be a really, really terrific interview with Linda. But before we dive in, we have sponsored messages from our friends at Neighbor and from our friends at RV SnapPad. Is your driveway too small for the RV of your dreams? Does your homeowners association not allow you to park your RV on your own property? Are you worried about paying top dollar to leave your RV at a sketchy storage facility? When it comes to finding safe and affordable RV storage, are you feeling totally stuck? Then maybe it's time you gave Neighbor a try. Neighbor.com forward slash RV Atlas can help you find safe, closer, more convenient storage right in your own neighborhood. Stay tuned for a special offer just for our listeners. Neighbor connects you and your neighbors so that you can find affordable RV storage close to your home. You help them earn extra cash while they keep your RV safe at their home. When I use Neighbor to search for storage options near my house, I was surprised to find dozens of affordable options. Neighbor also offers a wide variety of plans so you can choose the right protection that best suits your needs. You'll be able to quickly and easily add a property protection plan while placing a storage reservation. Give your RV a home, not a storage space. Visit neighbor.com forward slash RV Atlas for 50% off your first month of storage with neighbor. That's neighbor.com forward slash RV Atlas for 50% off your first month of RV storage. 
Meet the world's only permanent jack pad. RV snap pads attach permanently to your RV leveling jack so you don't have to carry around blocks of wood or plastic blocks to level your towable or motorized RV. Simply snap them on one at a time and you are all set. RV snap pads go on in seconds and provide a lifetime of stability on the road. They are built for wanderers, adventurers, and vacationers just like you. We added RV snap pads to our travel trailer two years ago and love their durability, design, and functionality. They also make setting up and breaking down camp faster and easier. Head over to RVSnapPad.com and use their Submit Your Rig tab to answer a few quick questions and they will find you the perfect set of snap pads for your towable or motorized RV. You can purchase RV snap pads directly from their website or use their where to buy tab to find a dealer near you. Join the RV snap pad revolution today. To find out more, visit rvsnappad.com. Hello, Linda Lee, and welcome to the RV Atlas. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, I am so excited to have you on the show. We're going to be talking very specifically about some Dutch oven tips for beginners and then also some great recipes. But before we dive into that content, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself as a camper? Like, what is your camping history? Are you a tent camper, a cabin camper, an RV owner, all of the above? Give us the background. I am all of the above. So I would say that when I was a little bit younger, like pre-kids, when my husband was just my boyfriend, we did a lot of backpacking. Um, so we've backpacked all over Yosemite, all over California, really. Um, and that <clears throat> is still one of our favorite things to do. We just haven't backpacked a lot lately because we have two toddlers. Um, so I would say after backpacking, we were big on car camping. Um, our motto and like the running joke among all of our friends is if it fits, bring it. You know, we don't travel lightly. So if we're car camping, uh, we bring the biggest tent <laughs> possible. We've got our air mattress. We set up a full kitchen uh, with a stove, you know, something to grill, um, a big bin. Well, a couple of bins that have like all of our kitchenware in it, lots of different pots and pans. Um, and we have like a full bar set up. So for us, car camping is a huge production. And we usually try to stay for at least three or four nights, you know, to make all of that work, um, make all that effort worth it. And are you, I mean, are you, I mean, is there like a large truck here? Like if you're bringing along the camp kitchen, uh, you've got to be using every inch of available space. We do. We are the type, we have an SUV. So we're the type of SUV where, you know, you open up the back and it's loaded up to the ceiling. <laughs> and a, du Along a, with a, a Dutch oven falls out and hits you on the foot. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and if we're traveling, like if we're camping with a big group, especially, um, we usually will hit up like a Costco on the way there. And then it gets comical with how to fit all of our groceries in <laughs> with our with our camping gear but um every like before i for um every birthday that i had i always organized this big group camping trip you know so it's usually um 10 to 15 friends and we all caravan to like a particular spot usually a couple hours away and we spend like several days camping together um where each party in the group would have like sort of like an assignment you know so like one um, like maybe one couple does like breakfast another one does lunch dinner you know um so it was a blast and it was just like something that i look forward to every year 
your friends must look forward to it as well if they're going camping with um, this wonderful cookbook author who's clearly got some major cooking chops. Yeah, we definitely had a lot of fun. And and not like we don't do it anymore, but trips look very different now because we all have kids um, many years later. And after we had kids, like the trips got a little bit more complicated, right? Because now you're um, bringing a lot of other things with you. Um, but last summer, we, my husband and I, just our family, we have two girls who are six and three years old. Um, we did a big tour of the national parks. So we covered 11 national parks over eight states. We put on like 8,000 miles um, on this trip. And we bought an RV kind of spur of the moment. We had planned on just renting one for the summer. But after realizing how much it was going to cost us in rental fees, um, we lucked on an RV at our local dealership that was uh, brought in like just on consignment the night before and went to go look at it. It was perfect. We named her Wanda as in Wanda lust. <laughs> and, um, and now we're totally hooked on RV camping. I don't know if I can go back to being in a tent. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, I mean, so did it, I, I mean, as a camp cook, obviously you can bring a lot more with you. Was, was that, was that liberating or do you in any way miss the simplicity of, of the car camping and sort of being forced to bring less stuff as it were? I actually really enjoy um, cooking in an RV because it opened more opportunities um, because in the RV we have a full, not a full size, but we have a regular oven and just being able to pop something into the oven at camp, whether you're doing like a sheet pan dinner um, or just like baking bread or baking dessert, which is our kids' favorite thing, um, that just opens up like a whole new thing for us. You know, like you can do all of this baking in a Dutch oven, of course, just over like a campfire. Um, but then you do have to think ahead, like, okay, I need to make this campfire because I want to bake this in a Dutch oven. But we could just be sitting around the RV and we're like, oh, do we want to um, roast some veggies? Or the kids are like, we want to bake cookies, you know, with some like cookie dough that they got at the store. And you can just do that so quickly and so easily, you know, and not have to think about it um, or do it on like a rainy day. So I actually have enjoyed um, being able to do more things. And I don't know, in a way, it almost feels a bit simpler than cooking you know, at a campsite while you're tent camping or car camping. Well, and you're going on longer trips. Probably, I mean, you just, you went on a very long trip, right? Where you're probably not going to cook over uh, an open fire every single night on a massive trip where you're going around to national parks and spending long days touring the parks. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a bit different than those car camping trips you did, where maybe the focus was really on the, the food the whole time, right? It is. And for us, like living out West where um, all of the states out here have been through a drought for the last several years, you know, like car camping now is very different from car camping, say, five years ago, even um, because now, you know, most people tend to camp in the summer, like when their kids are out and they have like more free time. But in the summer, a lot of the places that you want to go to, whether it's in Oregon or um, California, you know, and anywhere in the Southwest, like you cannot have a wood campfire um, at your campsite. You know, you would have to bring like a propane fire pit um, to have that um, 
opportunity. So, you know, a lot of like the normal like campfire grilling that you might do is not really possible in summer out here in the West. You know, That's a so, good point. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of that in that context. Yeah. So you're the author of, of of a bunch of books, right? And you have another one coming out, and we'll we'll talk about the next book at the end of the show. But in today's episode, we're going to focus a bit on um, the Backyard Fire Cookbook and the new Camp Cookbook, which just make a beautiful, beautiful set. They are really attractive books. I love that they're the same size, and they just look like they go together. Uh, could you just tell us a little bit more about those two, I believe, your the most recent books you've published? Mm-hmm. So the one that came out first was the new camp cookbook that uh, came out in 2017. And it was, um, it was kind of a gamble that my publisher took because when it came out, it was the only title on the shelves that was specifically about gourmet cooking at camp. Now there's many books that are on this subject, you know, but before it was really hard to find something that was not say a scout book or something that was tailored toward um, backpacking meals or dehydrated meals or, you know, something along those lines. Um, I think that most people, when they're cooking at camp, they just bring a bunch of like canned goods or um, something easy, right? Like hot dogs and buns. Um, but I thought there had to be more people who are interested in learning how to cook like a real meal at camp without making it overly complicated, you know, with um, all of the prep that's usually involved at home. So. I wrote this book that is pretty much um, the exact way that I cook and eat while I'm camping, um, which is to use like a standard set of pots and pans, like, you know, standard set of tools that I always bring on every trip and prepping um, the same way that I would prep at camp and cooking the way that I would do it. So it's like the same recipes that I have used over the years and some that I've also created specifically for the book. So there's a real point of view to this book, right? In terms of it being a gourmet cookbook for the campground. And it almost seems like you were uh, ahead of the curve on this one, right? Because there's just an explosion of interest in in eating outdoors in all sorts of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, and the key to this book is that you're using fresh fruits and vegetables and good meats. And, you know, you're not using so much of the processed food that's convenient, but, you know, maybe isn't the healthiest. Um, and doing so in a way where it's easy to pack a cooler and easy to like plan for like your weekend or your week out camping. And, and while it's a, a gourmet cookbook, like, you know, as I've been reading through it, there, there are hacks to simplify the process, which you kind of mentioned, right? I, I don't think anyone needs to be intimidated by this cookbook, right? No, <laughs> I call it gourmet because it's not just your typical, um, hot dogs and marshmallows and, uh, you know, canned goods, even though they, there are those ingredients in the book, because like, let's be, I'm not going to be making my own tomato sauce or like diced tomatoes, right. On camp at camp. Um, but I try to use, I try to cook the way that I would cook at home. So the hacks that I have are how to make um, tomato paste, you know, go the whole weekend. And most people, when they use like a little can of tomato paste, are just using like a few spoonfuls. But in my book, I had tips for, okay, if you're going to break up in that can of tomato paste, like here's all the different recipes you can make that will use up that can. Um, same thing for like a bunch of cilantro or a bunch of parsley. If you're going to use fresh herbs, you don't have to let it go to waste. You can learn how to use it in all of these different um, meals that you make. 
Um, or, you know, if you're not into uh, washing dishes and, you know, you want to simplify a bit more, I have a whole section that's just on foil packet cooking. So you can um, even like prepare a lot of these in advance at home, just bring the packets with you and then cook it while you're at camp, just in the, in the foil pouches. All right. Awesome. Now the backyard fire cookbook, I mean, they really do seem like they are meant to go together in a sense, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us, so, a, tell us a bit about so, that, the other one. So backyard fire came out two years later uh, in 2019, and it was a follow-up to new camp. Um, a lot of people really enjoy cooking over a fire. Like that was one of their favorite things about camping, right? I mean, that's, that's sort of like the, it's what we all love about camping is like the sitting around the campfire, you know, after like a long day. Um, and I've always enjoyed camping over or cooking over a fire because it's, it's very different. You know, like I talked earlier about loving my oven and the RV, uh, but it's a very different kind of cooking. You know, when you're cooking over a fire, it's a very, um, visceral moment you know like you're working with these flames you can actively see your food cooking the smells that fill the air um you know brings back so many memories and then you couple that with usually having uh, their family or your friends around you it's a very social activity rather than just um, tending to your food like a stove or oven or anything like that right like there's nothing like campfire cooking so i wanted to bring that feeling into people's backyards where if you're not camping, you know, because not everybody has the opportunity or can do it as often as they would like, they can still do it in their backyard or front yard or side yard, um, anywhere where they have space for like a little fire pit or even just like a little portable fire pit. You know, you, you can cook very easily with just a, um, like a pile of coals. You know, so that book focuses specifically on cooking over a wood fire. Well, that's the perfect transition to get into some Dutch oven cooking tips because the Dutch oven is so communal and so social. I, I for one, have never made a meal just for myself with a Dutch oven. I suppose people do. And and both of these books actually do have some Dutch oven recipes. And our podcast audience uh, constantly shows interest in cooking with the Dutch oven. So you have some some tips here for beginners to some degree to get you started with a Dutch oven. So are you ready to dive in and just give us some basics to get us excited about Dutch oven cooking this summer? I am. All right, awesome. Let's dive in. So just just get rolling here. What's tip number one for a beginner to start cooking with a Dutch oven? So first tip is don't bring your nice Dutch oven from home to the campsite. Get the classic campfire Dutch oven that's all black, all cast iron. It has three feet and a flange lid. Um, and those features specifically, the feet and the fledged lid, allow for cooking with coals because you can put coals underneath the Dutch oven and on top of the lid. Right. So bringing the tr- the other type of Dutch oven is uh, almost kind of pointless to the campground, right? Because there's no place to put the coals on the lid and you can't get the coals underneath it. I mean, you could bring it, but you'd be cooking it on like a stove or on like a grate or something like that. You'd be getting it very dirty. <laughs> you know, it could break a lot more easily. So have just like my my tip is just to bring that cat that black cast iron dutch oven um that's very inexpensive and you just devote that solely to camp cooking and i immediately think of lodge i mean is that is that a good recommendation for somebody who wants to get one of these 
Absolutely. Lodge is the go-to. It's the standard. You know, there's other brands that have come out now that are a little bit fancier, but, you know, they're all pretty much the same. And we don't want to use an enameled Dutch oven at uh, on open fire anyway, correct? And you'll be ruining the finish on it, cooking over an open an open flame. Okay, great. So you want to get the right type of Dutch oven, which you just described very succinctly here, because uh, there are those those two different categories, I guess, broadly speaking. Um, so what next? Keep us rolling here on Dutch oven tips. Okay, so second tip is, if you plan to make dessert after dinner in the same Dutch oven, if you only have one, then use a preformed Dutch oven liner for easy cleanup between your meals. Um, so one thing that like, a lot of people do is sometimes they'll line their Dutch oven with just uh, a couple sheets of uh, aluminum foil, you know, to make cleanup a little bit easier if you're doing something that's like really goopy or, uh, you know, it's hard to clean. Um, but a few companies, if you look online or even at like a um, hardware store, they have Dutch oven liners, which look just like aluminum pie pans in a way, but they're deep, just like a Dutch oven. And you can just, you know, they make them in specific sizes. They're sized specifically for the Dutch oven and you can just plop it right in. That's, I've never used those. And I really, I mean, obviously, like if you can eliminate some cleanup at the campground, I'm, I'm all for it. And, and by the way, like what size Dutch oven, I mean, do you recommend, like, if somebody does not have a Dutch oven and is listening to this podcast and says, well, I'm going to try this this summer, like, is there a, a go-to size um, that you would recommend? It kind of depends on, um, like, how many people you normally cook for and also, um, like, what kind of meals you envision making. So there's usually, like, two, there's, like, a deep Dutch oven and there's a, a shallower Dutch oven. The shallow one is really good for baking because um, it keeps the heat source a little bit closer. But the deep one is great for if you're doing like a lot of meat or like a lot of um, big meals for people. And so that's like what you should think about is um, what type of cooking you tend to do. We actually have two Dutch ovens, one of each type. <laughs> uh, because we know that we like to do big meals and then we like to do like that sort of baking, um, you know, with it. Uh, but I would say that for most people, like a standard like 12-inch or 8-quart Dutch oven is a good place to start. Okay. You know, it might be a bit like, you know, a couple, but it's a great size for like a family of four. All right. So, you know, or to six people even. That sounds great. <laughs> so now the next tip um, also kind of surprised me, even though it, it makes total sense. So talk about like preparing the fire for cooking, but also like the fire to kind of hang around after cooking or during cooking. Yeah, so third tip is always make a separate smaller fire that's just for your Dutch oven um, and have your separate bigger warming fire so you can sit around that one while you're waiting for your food to cook. And the reason why is because I've had this experience of we make like one big fire and we sort of put, um, you know, spread the coals out on like one side of the fire and put the Dutch oven over it. But then you can't really have a big campfire because you don't want to burn your food and so you're kind of like huddled on this tiny little fire you know because all you want are like good coals and you know and your food is already taking like 40 minutes to make and you're like cold <laughs> so my suggestion is always like if you don't have a big enough fire ring where you can make two separate fires then um you know dutch oven cooking doesn't really need a fire pit per se like you can easily just do um like a few sheets of aluminum foil on the dirt and then put your coals on top of that and then use your um, Dutch oven, like place it right on top of the coals that way. 
off to the side and it has its own little cooking area. I'm almost thinking I would bring my solo stove for the fire to sit around and then use the, mm-hmm. you know, the fire pit at the campground for the Dutch oven cooking. Cause I know a lot of our listeners also have these, the portable fire pits as well. So that's, that's a great tip because we want to both cook and, and hang out and relax and enjoy a campfire. So what is tip number four? Tip number four is when you're baking in particular, um, but this goes for like any type of like roasting or cooking that you do in your Dutch oven. Remember to rotate it periodically while it's sitting on the coals so that you avoid hot spots and you also get more even heating for your food. Uh, but by rotating it, you know, because you have to physically lift it um, and then turn it, it's also a good time to check your coals and see if you need to add more to it, you know, because they do burn out. And depending on your cook time, you'll probably have to replace your coals like, you know, two or three times during the cook session. Now, I'm a gear nut. So what kind of gloves do you use when you're cooking with a Dutch oven and you know, picking it up and moving it around? So I personally use um, standard leather barbecue gloves, like grilling gloves. Um, my husband is very minimalist and he's, you know, loves being like mountain man when he's out camping. So he just uses like really basic, like leather work gloves, you know, cause they're like easy, like they fit on his hand. And then he also, um, you know, he'll come back from chopping a bunch of firewood and then he'll like turn the touch up and while he's still got his leather work gloves on. <laughs> I, I need to give a shout out to your husband who's Will Taylor, correct? Cause it, it, yeah. it's all his photography in your, in your books. Is that true? Yes, it is. The photography is wonderful. And it just it's a great pairing with your recipes. And I I just can't say it enough. I mean, the books are absolutely delightful to flip through. Um, You know, I've I've had cookbooks where the recipes are great, and the photography is mediocre, and it's just uh, doesn't pull you in as much. So um, shout out to him as well. Um, So keep us moving here. What's your next tip for Dutch oven cooking? Okay, tip number five is to keep a steady supply of coals ready and um, to replenish your cooking goals. Because there's nothing worse than running out of good coals when you're in the middle of making a recipe, you know, because then you have to wait for your fire to die down and like make those good coals and transfer those coals under your Dutch oven. Um, just make sure that you always have coals ready, you know, like keep them like kind of like um, as you're doing your fire, just set them aside knowing that you're going to move them over. <laughs> lump or briquettes typically for you or does it depend on what you're doing it depends you know when you're dutch oven cooking um none of it really makes a difference you could use briquettes and that's easier for you especially if you're at like a um, like a day camp site or you know a picnic area but if you're out camping you're probably using just like a wood that's either like downed from around the um the forest or you're like bringing your own firewood or you bought it from the camp host so um, I would say, like, for us, we probably use just wood charcoals or wood coals the most because that's what's burning from our fire. Um, but at home, you're probably using, like, lump charcoal or charcoal briquettes. You can use all of it. It doesn't really matter what you use because um, the method that I describe in my book, like, you know, a lot of people are counting coals when they're trying to figure out how to dial in their heat. Um, but I use a very simple method of just doing like rings of fire. And so you don't have to count the coals because they're all going to be different sizes. You just place the coals in a ring so that they're all touching or with like every other coal taken out. And that will give you a good approximate temperature. Okay, great. So in other words, it's, it's a heat source and it's not like you're flavoring the food and you should go get some fancy lump charcoal when just for a Dutch oven specifically. So it's, it's different than, you know, doing a steak or something. Exactly. 
Okay, gotcha. All right, awesome, awesome. Uh, so what do you got next? What's our next tip? Tip number six, um, some people claim that you don't need to clean cast iron because it takes off the seasoning. And they'll just, <clears throat> after cooking, they'll just do something like scrape off the food bits with a spatula and like wipe it off and call it good. But that's actually a myth. You should always wash your cast iron Dutch oven um, by using a mild soap. That way you remove like any food residue and like other gunk um, from cooking. Uh, because if you don't wash your cast iron, then the next time you cook, you're just going to end up cooking on like rancid oil and um, burnt on food bits. And that's not going to taste very well. But if your cast iron is properly seasoned, soap does not take off that seasoning. You know, like um, there's a misconception that uh, seasoning is just like a slick of oil that you put on to help your cast iron become more nonstick. But proper seasoning is actually polymerized oil. So it's oil that's been chemically bonded to the cast iron through repeated um, oiling and reheating. You know, so it's almost like this plastic lake layer on your cast iron and just scrubbing it, you know, with a mild brush or like mild soap is not going to take it off. And even if you just get a lodge Dutch oven or skillet, it's so well seasoned from the factory. I would I would think you could use light soap almost right away, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. Okay, awesome. So I believe we're on tip number seven. Yes. So the last tip that I have is, um, to, you know, while we're following up on like washing your cast iron, but never put cold water in a hot Dutch oven. Let it cool off first before you wash it. And why is that? Uh, because of thermal shock, you know, so if your, hot, uh, your Dutch oven is still pretty hot from um, being off the fire, uh, you know, because cast iron holds heat in so well and for so long, um, if you put cold water in it right away to like start washing it, um, it could crack. From the thermal shock. I've actually, I know somebody this happened to. Like, it, it almost sounds like it's not possible, but I know somebody who who did just that thing, and the cast iron skillet cracked, which is unbelievable. So, thank you so much for those tips. Now, we're going to take a quick break, and you're going to come back, and you're going to give us some Dutch oven recipes from your two cookbooks, at least an overview of those recipes to get everybody excited about buying these two books. But before we do that, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts. Whether you enjoy the comfort of a luxury cabin, a deluxe RV site, or prefer to try some unique options like yurts, treehouses, or covered wagons, award-winning Jellystone Parks has a variety of first-rate accommodations, attractions, and activities to provide the setting for an affordable and fun family vacation. Our family has been making great camping memories at Jellystone Park for years, and we can't wait to get back and see Yogi Bear and friends this spring and summer. Jellystone Park locations have everything you and your family will need to make long-lasting camping memories. From amazing water zones, including pools, splash grounds, and splash pads, to mini golf, wagon rides, and jumping pillows, Jellystone Park is the best place for family entertainment this year. You will also find many themed weekend events, including appearances from Yogi Bear and Friends. You will notice that family fun at our exciting camp resorts is the main attraction. With over 75 locations across the United States and Canada, make Jellystone Park part of your vacation this spring and summer. Remember, it's not just a campground, it's Jellystone Park. To find out more and book your spring and summer getaways, head on over to jellystonepark.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Linda Lee, the author of the New Camp Cookbook and the Backyard Fire Cookbook. She just gave us seven great tips for Dutch oven cooking. And now we're going to get an overview 
of four recipes from these beautiful cookbooks that everybody needs to go out and purchase. So Linda, welcome back and let's dive in. And I really want to just say thank you for starting with pancakes. Okay. And pancakes in a Dutch (laughs) oven, uh, you kind of got me on that one, but after reading it, it makes a lot of sense. So tell us more. Okay. So I'm starting off with breakfast here. This is called Dutch oven baked buttermilk pancake with raspberries and almonds. It's from the backyard fire cookbook. And this is the type of recipe that's really fun to make. You know, for me, I love having a morning fire, you know, when it's like a sort of like a chilly morning and you're having a lazy day, especially. And this is a great thing to make to sort of rouse everybody from their tents or even their RV or whatever they're camping in. Um, One of my pet peeves, like when you're making pancakes at home, especially, is that it takes so long. You've got, you know, like your whole family or maybe you've got like a few friends over. Like it takes a while to make pancakes for everybody. And by the time, you know, if you want to serve everyone at the same time, then those first pancakes are probably cold. You know, like it's 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 a it's a task right, to make pancakes for a group. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I First of all, I hate eating cold pancakes because pancakes are delicious when they're hot. And as soon as they get cold, they just like become very normal and average. So I completely, completely understand. And I also want to throw in, I am a morning campfire person. So you're speaking much truth here on the podcast. So go ahead, continue. So with the Dutch oven pancake, the pancake's ready at the same time, it can serve, um, you know, a group of four people or maybe like eight if you're doing other breakfast items like sausages or eggs or, you know, um, bacon with it. Um, and it's just like, it's really easy to make. You know, like baking the veteran is surprisingly simple because um, there's not there's not much to it. It's almost like you dump in all the ingredients, you know, you spin it a few times um, throughout the baking and then it's done. So the Dutch oven pancake um, it's it's different. It's not like your very thin silver dollar style pancake. This is like a big, fluffy, like one inch thick pancake that you're getting. And so you really only need one slice to feel satiated here. Um, and the difference is that if you don't get like that nice browning that you get in the skillet, but you get all the flavor and you get this really nice, like spongy, soft, like airy texture that and you love in a pancake. Are you just topping with raspberry and almonds? Or are you integrating it? Are you whisking them in as well? You integrate the raspberries, um, but then you also top it with more raspberries in the end, like before you serve. So you get like a nice, like warm cooked raspberry that's a little bit like soft. And then you get like some nice fresh raspberry on top. I'm like licking my lips looking at the pictures here. Like I am borderline kind of drooling right now. Um, I have got to, out of the four here, I think this is the first one I would, I would try for sure. Um, so anything else about this one? And we were just giving overviews here or do you want to move on over to the next one? Up to you move on to the next one you know because now you've had like your breakfast and you're probably continuing with your lazy day um you know if you're not like planning to summit anything that day <laughs> so, i'm gonna summit like, some i'm gonna summit some dutch oven pancakes that's what i'm gonna summit <laughs> so you're just sitting around at camp one of my favorite um lazy dutch oven recipes is my creamy corn chowder um, this is a great recipe to make if you're new to Dutch oven cooking because it feels like you're just making something in a pot, you know, over a burner. It's that easy. You know, sometimes with Dutch oven cooking, people get intimidated because they're like, oh, like how many coals and um, on top and how many coals on bottom? And, you know, like like baking requires like a, a 
um, a small amount of precision, right, to make sure you don't burn anything. But when you're making powder, you're just stirring it as if you're making a big pot of soup, which you are. And you're using the coals on the bottom as like your burner. So um, you don't, and you don't need you don't need that camp Dutch oven necessarily if you're doing any kind of stew or chowder, do you? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could really, this is just such an easy recipe. Um, you know, I do it in a Dutch oven because you can just do it right on the campfire. Um, you know, you still got that campfire going <laughs> all day long. Um, but this is like a really uh, satisfying meal because it's all in one pot. You put all the ingredients in, um, you know, you don't have to do anything separately. You're like, making the bacon in it. Um, and then you add in all of your vegetables and you add in like your broth, you make your broth and then all of your seasonings. Um, and you end up with this like very delectable, like creamy, chunky um, uh, corn chowder that you can then serve with like uh, the like crusty bread or, you know, by itself. So it can actually work for lunch or dinner, depending on what you want it for. I'm picturing something like this at a cool fall night at the campground where everybody's been outside all day and the kids have been playing outside and something warm like this is just so much better than like, here are some burgers or hot dogs. It, like, you know, like the meal matches the moment, you know? It does. And it's so easy to make, you know, you're just stirring it just like, you know, you would stir like a pot of soup and that's it. Like it's almost like hands, it's pretty much hands off once you get all the ingredients in there. And the flavor is just like, um, it's like at once like very savory um, and a little bit smoky, um, you know, and it, and you can really vary this depending on like for my creamy corn chowder, um, I like to have uh, smoked paprika and um, fresh corn in it, as well as like a bell pepper and a poblano pepper. So I keep mine more on like the mild, mild to medium side, but you could definitely make it smokier. Um, you can simplified even more by using um like thawed frozen corn if you want or even canned corn um for me since i usually would make this in summer and there's like tons of fresh corn on the cob um, in the stores then it's really easy for me to just like cut all of the kernels off the cobs and like put fresh corn in because it just gives it the texture i'm feeling like everyone listening and i think so many campers and rvers are doing this need that backyard fire pit that they can cook over. So this all just becomes one lifestyle, right? Whether you're at the campground or you're on an RV trip or you're in your backyard, you can have this experience every week, if not, you know, multiple days every week, right? And that's why, that's what I love about these two books, right? Is that it's saying, look, you can do all these amazing things at the campground, but you can also do all these amazing things right in your backyard, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it doesn't have to be for like that special occasion trip and just be like your weeknight meal, your weekend meal. <laughs> most of us are cooking a lot more at home anyway, right? I mean, people are busy and, and most people aren't camping 50 or 60 nights a year. Uh, so if you want this type of delicious over the fire food, I think you've got to create your own setup in the in the backyard. I'm excited. I just got one of the Brio fire pits with uh, their outpost grill so I can start doing some of this stuff in the backyard. So um Let's move on to the uh, Dutch oven old school lasagna and pasta at the camp. I don't think a lot of people do pasta or lasagnas at the campground, but it, again, it really hits the spot. It does. So this is like, this is a fun recipe because it feels like an indulgence because it is pasta, you know, like for Dutch oven cooking, people 
find it very easy to do um, like a, like, you know, throwing different meats in there or eggs, you know, but lasagna is something different. Um, and once you whip up like fresh lasagna at camp, you're like, whoa, like we're really living life here. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, people are hungry when they're camping, you know, I, I mean, if you've been hiking or even just like if our kids have just been playing at the campground all day, uh, a heartier meal um, is, is wonderful as opposed to some of the staples that get kind of a little old, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this makes it feel like, you know, you're really getting like good home cooking or like a restaurant meal or something. Um, you know, like the trick to a Dutch oven lasagna is actually using, um, they call it uh, no boil noodles or oven ready lasagna noodles or no boil pasta, something along those lines, but you can find it in the regular dried pasta aisle of like a good supermarket. Um, and that keeps it from you having to boil pasta noodles separately, draining them and then adding them to your lasagna recipe. You do it all in one pot, uh, which is what makes it so great. So this lasagna is round, obviously, because you're cooking it in a Dutch oven, but it slices up all the same. You have all of the same multiple layers of um, like your good like meat sauce. I used uh, ground beef and Italian sausage in mine and you have like your cheese layer and then you have your nice like tomato layer and like all of your seasonings um so it tastes every bit like a good homemade lasagna just being made in a Dutch oven and just being round you know but the lasagna noodles itself like themselves like the texture tastes just fine it tastes like boiled noodles um, and you layer them, you know, across, like, it's just, it's also a really fun dish to make, especially if you have kids and you want them to help out. Um, but it just turns out this very, uh, I'm not going to say it's not authentic, but it, you know, it tastes like a real lasagna. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I have room for dessert, but I'm still going to ask you to tell us about your Dutch oven strawberry rhubarb cobbler. <laughs> yeah. So cobbler, I feel like, is a camping classic, right? Most people have had it. Um, I grew up eating cobbler out of, um, like, you just dump in some cake mix and some canned fruit, you know, and that's how, like, cobblers were always made in the Dutch oven. But this is a more uh, modern take on, like, a fresh cobbler, but it's super easy to make. Um, For me, the key is using multi-purpose baking mix. And I have a recipe for that in the New Camp Cookbook. This baking mix, you mix it uh, once at home, and you can use it for a variety of my baking recipes. You know, so cobbler is one of them. You can also make breakfast scones um, for another one. Uh, you can also do it for like pancakes. So, you know, you can make a big batch, like throw it all in a Ziploc bag, and use it for several different types of recipes. Um, but it's so easy where you know instead of just getting a box of cake mix you can use use your good multi-purpose baking mix um and throw it in with some fresh fruit and some buttermilk and then that's your cobbler that's as easy as and in your book you talked about how like you've this is sort of inspired by a girl scouts recipe right where that like you you do just use the boxed mix and you just throw in the canned vegetables but this is or the canned fruits rather but this is uh this is sort of the gourmet linda lee version of of that comfort food right it is, you know, like, you know, especially if you're camping in summer, you've got all this variety of fresh fruits that you can use, um, like all kinds of, I mean, you, this is strawberry rhubarb, but you can use um, blueberries or raspberries or cherries, you know, peach, like you can use any of your favorite fruits in this recipe and have it be fresh fruit, which is going to make it taste that much better than 
you know, your canned peaches or Oh my god, like why why used canned fruit in the summer when there's it's just so easy to get fresh fruits. I mean for I guess for most people, I shouldn't say that, but at least for for here us here in New Jersey, there's so so much great fresh fruit available. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. We're going to come back in a second and wrap up the show. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at GoRVing. GoRVing's website, GoRVing.com, is packed with incredible stories and tips and tricks that will inspire you to get the most out of your RV and enjoy every second of life on the road, at the campground, or somewhere far off grid. And GoRVing.com's This Is RVing tab is a great place to start your journey. Do you want to hit the road with your furry friend and see America together? RVing is a perfect way to travel with your pets. Check out GoRVing's Possum Adventures under the This Is RVing tab, and you will find tips and tricks for traveling with your favorite beloved pet and great information about campgrounds that have amazing puppy parks and other pet-friendly activities and amenities. Have you ever dreamed about leaving your 9 to 5 behind and working remotely while traveling full-time in your RV? Check out Heath and Alyssa Paget's Beginner's Guide to Earning Remote Income for a step-by-step guide to earning a living while traveling across America in your RV. Go RVing's This Is RVing tab is absolutely packed with tips and tricks from RVers who have been there and done that. And this is just a small sample of the inspiring content you will find there. To find out more about RVing or find a dealer or a campground near you, Head on over to GoRVing.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. And a huge thank you uh, to Linda Lee for coming on and giving us some uh, tips for Dutch oven cooking for beginners and giving us an overview of four amazing recipes from both the New Camp Cookbook and the Backyard Fire Cookbook. These are two beautiful, beautiful books that belong on your shelf or on your coffee table or in your RV. And Linda, you have a really, really cool new book coming out this fall. And I think it's available for pre-order as we speak. Is that true? Yes, it is. So tell us more. Tell us all about it. It's called the National Parks Cookbook. And it's all about all the delicious food that you can get from your favorite National Park Lodge or restaurant or concession stand, you know, like the food that you remember when you visit the National Parks. I mean, granted, not every National Park has its own lodge or um, eating establishment. So there are also original recipes in the book that revolve around the flora and fauna of the region you know so for example um from yosemite one of the most famous recipes is a boysenberry pie from the awani that's been there for 60 years you know like the awani has gone through like name change and like lots of remodeling and everything but in the dining room one thing has always stayed constant and that's boysenberry pie and i have the exact recipe that yosemite gave me to include in the book um just scale down for like a good um home size portion but, you know, in places like Rocky Mountain National Park, where they don't have a lodge, um, one, of their, uh, one of their most famous attractions is all of the elk that's in the area. You know, like they, Colorado has the largest elk population in the world. And so I have a recipe in the book for bourbon elk chili, which kind of sounds wrong in a way because I'm talking about like people going to go see elk. But, you know, here's like a recipe for elk. But um it's this uh, very hearty, savory, rich, delicious recipe that you can use that, you know, might remind you of eating around when you're in um, some of the surrounding towns of Rocky Mountain, you know, like Estes Park um, or Denver, wherever you are. This is so, such a unique and, and original idea. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any other book like this. 
<laughs> so and then there's you know you get like a whole variety of different like there's breakfast dessert um different types of drinks um and this covers like a good um like around 30 or so national parks around the country so you've got like your top 10 visited um and there's a whole section that's just for them recipes that you'll find at like your longtime favorites like yellowstone or glacier um yosemite acadia uh shenandoah um and then you have like some of the more obscure parks like biscayne national park in florida um or uh, you know there's a lot of national parks in alaska like um that are not nearly as visited but are still known for their food um and also like the least visited national park in the lower 48 um isle royale you know in the um, great lakes so so there's a little bit of everything um, where people, I made this book so that people can feel like they're traveling through some of their favorite parks, but also use it as inspiration for their next park visit. Or maybe they can't visit their park this year, then they can always come back to what they enjoy about it, which is the food um, and the memories that like food and um, landscapes bring to them. What a cool way to uh, evoke the parks, either in your backyard or just on a local camping trip when you're when you're cooking around the campfire. Um, thank you so much, Linda Lee, and I really hope to have you back on the show when your new book comes out. Will you come back on? Absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate it. A big thank you for listening to this episode of the RV Atlas, and a big thank you to our sponsors, to Neighbor, The Thetford Corporation, Camp Spot, Yogi Bear's Jellystone Park Camp Resorts, RV Snaphead, and Go RVing. To find out more about the topics discussed in this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving us a review over at iTunes. And we'll see you at the campground. <laughs>